2: Howdy, howdy, howdy once again, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on this beautiful Saturday, October the 2nd, 2021, on this pre-recorded, yes, it is a pre-recorded show because all week long, my friends, I was in Washington D.C. at the Fair Convention with uh, tons and tons of other radio show hosts from around the country all talking about immigration, my friends. It was exciting. Uh, Consequently, we had a lot. We had a tremendous number of folks who were there uh, who are uh, involved directly in uh, the issue of immigration. We have a tremendous lineup. We've got eight guests, starting with Congressman Chip Roy from San Antonio, from the 21st District, talking to us about the madness that is going on in in, uh, Capitol Hill regarding the spending and their... uh, uh their approach to immigration which of course is to reward illegal immigration. Uh next we've got Mr. Mark Morgan the former uh Customs and uh Border Protection director under Trump. He's going to be t- talking to us about uh all the things that are going wrong even now uh, with the uh, uh at the border the policies that are making the thing worse. Uh Tom Holman is also up on deck. He will be talking to us. Uh, he's the former ICE director under, under um, Trump. He was going to be talking to us about uh, the, uh, the outrageousness of how this thing is, uh, the uh, accusation of uh, brutality against the Border Patrol agent who was riding a horse, how ridiculous that is. Uh, then we've got Mr. Chad Wolf, who is the former Homeland Security uh, Secretary under, uh, uh, under Trump. Chad is going to be chatting with us and telling us, about um, the Majorca's, uh fiasco, how Majorcas is absolutely dropping the ball con- constantly on this whole situation uh, at the border, and lying, yes, and lying. Then we've got Mr. Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies. Todd is a regular guest with us. He's going to be chatting with us about a second wave of Haitians that's on its way. No less than about 60,000 are coming. And this is all a result, again, because of the Biden administration rewarding illegal immigration because while they pretended to send home some Haitians, the vast majority have been given dates for reappearance in court, which we know they never do, uh, and, and released into the country, which means that they're going to just disappear into the, uh, into the humanity of our, of our nation as illegal aliens and uh, cause whatever, what, who knows what kind of problems. We also have uh, Mr. John, uh, John uh, Zdrozny who is with America First Policy uh, Institute in Washington DC and uh John is going to be chatting with us about the policy uh the policies that need to be addressed so that we can stop this uh this this border crisis. We also have Mr. Jeffrey Adacut from San Antonio and Jeffrey Adicott, Dr. Atticott is gonna be Atticott is gonna be talking to us. He is a terrorist expert, and he's gonna be talking to us how dangerous we are looking at a situation, how dangerous it is now that this border is completely wide open. And um people from uh the Middle East, people from uh uh unfriendly countries can come in here very, very easily. And it uh, causes some major damage, my friends. We need to be uh, conscientious of that. Our final guest is Ms. Deborah Elkins. Ms. Deborah Elkins is an angel mom. And angel moms and angel dads are those folks that have lost a son or a daughter to an illegal alien criminal. Usually because they got run over by a drunk illegal alien. Or because they were murdered by an illegal alien with a gun or with a knife. Uh, in some form or fashion, but uh, all of these people are victims. All of these angel uh, moms and dads are victims of uh, illegal alien criminals that should have been deported, that should have been either locked up and deported, or should have been just deported and kept out, and they weren't. So uh, Deborah Elkins will be talking to us. My friends, thank you very much for joining us today. Stay tuned for our first guest once again, This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. All right, folks, once again, George Rodriguez in Washington, D.C., and we've got uh, our good congressman from the 21st District here in San San Antonio, uh, here in D.C., Congressman Chip Roy, and I wanted to ask him about the votes that are going on here at uh, at Capitol Hill uh, and and the spending. Uh, Congressman, tell us what's going on.
3: Yeah, well, yesterday our uh, friends, our colleagues on the other side of the aisle, uh, they voted to suspend the debt ceiling. Don't you wish you could do that? Don't you wish you could suspend your uh, home mortgage payments, your (laughs) debt, you know, but here in Washington, with the magic uh, debt suspension tree, that's what they did. So they set aside the debt, uh, so they can just keep racking up more of it. Uh, today, they're going to vote for what we call a continuing resolution because you know it expires today, September 30th, and so they'll run that till December 3rd. The good news, though, is that they're still in disarray over their big infrastructure bill, which is 1.2 trillion dollars, still got garbage in it, the uh, Green New Deal, and all sorts of woke diversity stuff, and empowers the Department of Transportation. But then their real big thing, the the three and a half trillion dollar, uh, you know, reconciliation package to remake America, right, to have universal family leave, to expand Medicare, Medicare for All, to have massive Green New Deal over of our economy. That is also currently stalled with Manchin and Senate and the Senate saying they won't support its current size. So Democrats are in disarray trying to figure out how to patch something together. Lord willing, they don't do it, and we're trying to do everything we can to slow walk that as best we can.
2: The, um, the situation, again, uh, as far as many of us are concerned, that uh, um, maybe if, if there was a government shutdown, that might not be such a bad idea.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously America is the safest when uh, Congress is not meeting and not spending money and not doing all the things that it does. Uh, and in fact, I mean, you say jokingly, but that's the truth. Um, but what we're hoping for right now is that the Democrats continue to have disarray over their ridiculous spending uh, bills because they really are. I mean, the American people need to understand how they are so much worse than the media is letting you know what they are. A fundamental restructuring and ordering of society. It's purposeful. It's to, it's to make people more dependent dependent and reliant on government, to massively expand programs that we cannot afford, and to break down small businesses and to break down free enterprise because Democrats want to kill the backbone of this country, which is small business free enterprise. We're throwing our bodies in front of the train the best we can, but the bottom line is is no Republicans should vote for any of this. Hold Republicans accountable for not voting for any of this garbage.
2: Again, the the situation that many people don't understand is that uh, the Democrats control the White House and both uh the uh, Houses of, of the Congress And it makes it very, very difficult to stop things, correct?
3: Well, it does. Unfortunately, here in the House you know, I, I don't even get a chance to offer amendments on the floor. I rarely get a chance to even be on the floor and, and even speak We have to go reserve time weeks in advance to hopefully get a moment to speak. I mean, you can't make this up And so, uh, there's no chance for us to really stop it unless we can pressure Democrats. So let me give you an example. We have something called a discharge petition I have filed one for Title 42 enforcement at the border Not to change gears, but that would force a vote if we get to 218 signatures. I've been beating up my, my party since April, and we're now up to 178 signers. We still have 34 or 5 Republicans who haven't signed it. Zero Democrats. If Republican leadership would get behind that, and push it to 212, we could go pressure Henry Cuellar, pressure some of the Democrats in the border states and say, why do you support having Americans have to shut down their businesses and have to get vaccinated, but you won't enforce Title 42 at the border? Those are the strategies I think we ought to be employing here in Washington.
2: That's amazing. Now, so since we switched gears, uh, yesterday the uh, announcement started that uh, in Tapachula, Mexico, there is a huge new caravan coming in this direction. And uh, the question is, uh, how is it going to be handled again? Is it going to be is it going to be done the same way that this past catastrophe went? Or what the heck is going to happen, do you think?
3: Well, walking around here at Radio Road where we're sitting, I just saw Mark Morgan, Tom Homan, some of my buddies that, have, that are so strong on the border. The fact of the matter is, this administration not only is, it's not incompetent. They are purposefully refusing to enforce the laws of the United States. It's impeachable. It is impeachable for orcas, the secretary. It's impeachable for the president. Because they're refusing to faithfully execute the laws of the United States. And as a result, we have a hundred. We have we had a hundred thousand Americans die from opioid overdoses. Fentanyl, ten thousand pounds of it pouring into our country. One point five million. Soon as we get the numbers from September, apprehensions uh, from people coming across the border. And the Haitian issue is just the latest spotlight. And what do you have? You have a president who is now going after border patrol agents because they're on a horse. Because they're using the reins of their horse. They're race baiting. They're calling those men and women who have been serving their country, securing our border. When this president refuses to and created this crisis, they're calling them racist. Now we've got people, another group marching up, and the only way we're going to stop it is for Texas to stand in the breach. I'm glad that Governor Abbott sent DPS down to Del Rio. We need to do more of that. I'm encouraging the governor to go even farther, go even harder. We should not allow any Texas resources to be allowed to be used by the feds to carry out this nefarious uh, wide-open borders policy of distributing people and Haitians around the United States.
2: You got it. Congressman, thank you very, very much. Continue to fight for us, please.
3: All right. God bless you, George. Keep up the fight yourself. Talk to you soon.
2: Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio. And we're here in D.C. with my good friend, Mr. Mark Morgan. Uh, And I wanted to ask him about what his assessment is, since he was in the the Trump administration and in the uh, uh, Customs and Border Protection uh, Agency. I want to ask him what he thinks at this point. Uh, Where are we at with the situation that happened in Del Rio, as well as overall? Mark, thank you for being with us. What do you think?
1: You bet. First of all, look, I I think... We, we need to break this down. I think sometimes we make it too complicated. And at the end of the day, along our southwest border, we have lost control. And it's not just in Del Rio. I, I, now, look, I understand why we're focused on Del Rio, but that's just a microcosm of what's happening along the entire 2,000 miles of our southwest border. When you have apprehensions of 200,000 or more in a single month, you've got 40, 50 percent of Border Patrol agents that are pulled off the line. And, and that leaves large area of the border unpatrolled, unsecured, unmonitored, and it's wide open. Even though the Secretary continues to lie to us, says the borders are closed, it's just not true. And, and look, I'll give you one quick stat. three hundred fifty to 400,000 godaways. Think about that. Just just let that sink in. Almost a half a million godaways have illegally entered our country and made it to every town, city, and state in this country.
2: That should shock us all, regardless of whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. What about this situation with the uh, famous picture, the infamous picture that we've got of the border patrol agent on horseback? All of a sudden, even the horses are being uh, are being pulled back. I mean, even they are being faulted. Yeah, the, look, the rhetoric is—it's—they're emotionally
1: unhinged. They're right? The, the left, the open border advocates—it's absolute they see a picture and and they see. First of all, let's be honest. They see what they want to see, and they run with it without without doing. It any fact-checking without checking any sources and then here's what here's what really is frustrating for me is that even when it's found out to be not true when when they didn't have reins, they weren't whipping anybody they weren't running anybody over they're still running with the false narrative and look at the end of the day I, I I really am disgusted with Secretary Mayorkas especially this man was a former prosecutor what happened to the founding principles of our country about fair and partial due process he already acted as judge jury and executioner before the inquiry even began. I mean, his words were, they weaponized horses to attack children. And it's not true. And you don't think that puts a chilling effect on the investigation? Look, he's vilified them, he's scapegoated, he's already condemned them. and
2: Their reputation, careers, they're ruined. It's, it's absolutely disgusting. The uh, you you raise a very very good point and uh, I, I really want to ask you because one of the things you know if anybody is weaponizing anything these uh, these liberals are weaponizing words we can't use the term illegal we can't use we can we can't use certain terms yep. talk to us
1: about that right, so we we talked about this is a great so they're more worried about words than substance they're more worried about words than actually securing our borders and putting America first so look illegal alien nope can't use it it's undocumented non citizen and illegal immigration? Nope, can't use that. It's irregular migration. And now, it's not, hey, we release them in the United States. Now it's, we put them in removal proceedings. It's a joke. And I think finally, you know, what, what happened to Del Rio, I think the Secretary, for one example is, I think he's he's been caught in, in, in the absolute spin master, and quite frankly, blatant liar that he is, when finally, after over a week, he kept saying he's removing everybody or, quote, putting them in the removal proceedings. When asked about, are you releasing people? He wouldn't answer directly. And finally, 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 when he was on a show on Fox on Sunday, uh, Chris Wallace uh, put him in a corner and asked him, are they being released? And he finally had to say yes. And even then, George, he, he said, well, somewhere between ten and 12,000. A 2,000 difference? He doesn't even know it, he's the secretary?
2: It's absolutely absurd. The, uh, let me ask you this fi- final question. This situation where uh, the Haitians magically disappeared from one, from one uh, day to the other. <laughs> exactly. Uh, where the heck did they go? Did they go back to Haiti? Yeah, well, if, if you ask the, the,
1: the secretary, he'll try to spin that that's what they did, right? We, we know what exactly happened. They released them to into the interior United States and not to just border states. They're releasing them to every town, city, and state in this country. And another part of that total absolute spin, misdirection, and lie is he, he tries to say, the secretary says, well, and, and like, like he's taken credit for uh, his claim that 8,000 went back to Mexico. So let's keep this in mind. First of all, the Haitians did not come from Haiti. They, the majority of them came from Brazil. And, and, and Chile and, and other places. And so do you really think they went back to Mexico? Of course not. They went back, redrouted uh, their, their, uh, their their plan, and went a mile to the left and then illegally entered the United States and got away because the border's unsecured. Again, just more intentional omission of material facts. I call them a lie coming from the
2: Secretary. Uh, we've been speaking with uh, our good friend Mark Morgan, uh, former uh, Trump uh, administ- or, uh, official, and uh, now with FAIR. Thank you very, very, much. You bet. Thanks for having me. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM radio. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Tom Holman here. Uh, and I wanted to reach out to him because uh, Tom has been very, very vocal about this uh, situation that we've had at, in Del Rio, as well as the rest of the immigration policies. Tom, welcome to the show again. And uh, tell us, what are, I mean, just lay it out there. What are they doing wrong? Why are they doing wrong? I mean, what, what, what is going on here? look, they're doing
4: everything wrong. I mean, let's face it, they, und- they undid all Trump policies that were working. Now, they claim they're still doing Title 42, but 85% of families are being released, so they're ignoring the- a big portion of Title 42. So, look, what they're doing is they're not detaining like they should be. They're not forcing people to see a judge like they should be. And they're not removing people like they should be. Like, the, the Secretary may say, the other day, people are putting an immigration screening simply wrong. They're released with no court day. But then he says, if they're found, if they're ordered removed by, removed by a judge, they'll be removed. The next question should have been, well, how many recent border crossers are ICE arrested and removed? That answer is zero. So look, they're not enforcing immigration law. That's 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 just a bottom line. They're not securing the border, enforcing border laws. ICE is not doing interior enforcement. There's no border enforcement, no interior enforcement. So this is open borders. Joe Biden wasn't hiding it. He said during the campaign that he was going to end ICE detention. He's going to end Remain in Mexico program. He's going to have amnesty. He's going to award DACA. And, and he's got a moratorium on deportations. He's going to offer free health care. He knew exactly what he was doing. He folded to the progressive left to win the election. He, he sold out this country, our, our sovereignty and our security to become president. And he's, he, look, they're, they're not running away from it. They're not trying to hide it. They're being, bro- they're being brazen about it. The Secretary of Homeland Security st- stood there in Rio Grande Valley and says they would be removed. Do not come. You will not succeed. You will go home. And meanwhile, while he's saying that, 12,000 walk out the back door that they're releasing. So this, this administration is wrong from day one. They're wrong, they're, they're wrong from step one to step 20. They, they're doing nothing right. Well, I take that back. They're doing one thing right. They're processing people really quickly and releasing them quickly. They think that's right. They think that's good to get them out of detention quickly. I think that's just another enticement. The more people are
2: going to come, they realize, hey, well, I'm only going to be in detention in a few hours, I'll get out. Let me ask you about uh, a po- uh, an item that you are really passionate about. Uh, USA Today had an article about the number of children uh, that are disappearing, the number of children that uh, are, are still coming across. Uh, your thoughts on that?
4: That, you know, that, that's a sad emotional thing. And, you know, the children we know right now, the children, a lot of children are being abused by the cartels. And everybody wants to talk about President Trump he separated 2,500 families. Well, well, the parents are being prosecuted, and those children are put in licensed daycare right by the federal government. Well, the Biden administration has forced because of their open borders policy with UACs, unaccompanied children. 116,000 parents have put their children in the hands of criminal cartels to be smuggled in this country. If you don't think a, a, a vast majority of them are abused, then you're ignorant to the facts and, and, and to what we know uh, from uh, many reports. And they just admitted that they lost track of about 30 of them. So close to 40,000 children who have been released in this country to a sponsor they failed to vet are missing in action. So I'm not saying they're all in danger, but if you, you, if you believe that all 38,700 are, are in safe hands right now. Again, you're ignorant because a lot of these children are being either cared for by a pedophile or being filmed in, you know, as the director of ICE, I did a lot of child porn, a lot of uh, child trafficking. Some of these children were victims of trafficking and they are suffering at the hands of s- somebody in this country because of the
2: open board policy of the Biden administration. Let me ask you this last question before you let you go. Is the situation with um, the uh, border patrol agent accused of whipping, horse whipping uh, a Haitian? Now you uh, are also a former police officer. It seems to me like Biden is following the same game plan that that Obama did with the police uh, in uh, in villainizing them. Yeah, you know,
4: under Biden administration, you're, you're innocent until proven guilty, unless you're wearing a uniform. I've seen the video. I know what the rule book says. He didn't do anything wrong. He did his job. I've talked to five retired National Board Patrol chiefs. I've talked to nine sector chiefs. i talked to two retired CBP commissioners. They all agree to one thing. He did nothing wrong. And they're reading from the same playbook as the existing chief, Robert Ortiz, is reading from, and the acting commissioner, Troy Miller, is reading from. And it's a travesty that these two men are standing up, saying these men did nothing, because they're reading it from the same playbook. If they don't do that, they're cowards. They're more interested in their promotions than, than protecting men and women that work for them, that put their lives on the line for them. They need to speak up, or, or, or their, their years of service goes down the toilet, they're going to be known as cowards, and they turn their backs on
2: the people that need them most. We've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Tom Homan, uh, former ICE director. Right back. Hi, folks, this is George Rodriguez at Conservador. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, KLUP 930 AM radio. And uh, we're here in Washington, D.C., and we've got a very special guest, Mr. Chad Wolf, who was the, who was the former uh, Secretary of Homeland Security uh, under Trump. Uh, what does he think about this situation? I mean, how the handling of... Uh, Homeland Security is at this point, Ted. And uh, be honest with you.
5: (laughs) So we've got a real crisis going on on that southwest border, unfortunately. And I think that the position that the administration and the Department of Homeland Security is currently taking is only making matters worse. Uh, They don't, they're not implementing policies that hold individuals accountable for crossing that border illegally. Instead, they're uh, issuing policies that encourage more and more of this type of dangerous journey from uh, Central America, from the Northern Triangle, and through Mexico. And so, you're going to continue to see more and more of these individuals come across. And I think is what's important to remember is that each of these individuals pay cartel members between five and ten thousand dollars to come across. And so, the cartels are making millions of dollars a day that they put back into their criminal enterprise that smuggle narcotic, legal narcotics across the border, killing Americans every day. And so, by having these types of policies, we are emboldening the cartels more and more every day, which is making that border more insecure and unsafe. The uh,
2: situation that we've seen, uh, it seems like it, they are continuing to reward illegal immigration. I mean, uh, not only by, by just, you know, uh, the catch and release, but uh, also they're, they're talking about another amnesty. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, as long as we keep rewarding bad behavior, do you, don't you think we're going to get more bad behavior?
5: Well, of course. That only makes logical sense. and, and But the logic, unfortunately, is gone uh, from the Democratic Party here in the United States. You know, if you don't hold people accountable for breaking the law, and then you reward them with uh, citizenship for doing so, guess what? You're going to see thousands and millions of more coming here to the United States at the end of the day. There's a legal way, and there's a right way to come here to the United States to work, to live. Uh, but you need to do that the proper way, and uh, the the government. The DHS, this administration should be incentivizing people to come the right way and not the wrong way. Uh, But unfortunately, we see them uh, instituting policies here that, again, continue to encourage this illegal behavior, even though they they use phrases like the border's not open, the border's closed, or you will be returned. Well, again, you mentioned all you have to look at is the 15,000 Haitians under that uh, international bridge in Del Rio. 12,000 have been released into the country. That sends the signal right there. The um, There was
2: actually some people that went back across the river when there was talk about deportation. Uh, do you think that that um, it would, would be a great deterrent?
5: Well, of course. I mean, you know, immigration law, and I would say law in general is about a deterrent, right? There's a reason that you and I don't speed 90, 90 miles an hour down our neighborhood streets. One, we could kill someone, but two, we would probably have our license revoked. Right, But for individuals crossing that border today, there's no recourse. There's no, ins- there's no consequence to it. So they're going to continue to come back and forth because they don't want to be deported. They don't want to be removed back to their home countries. But if you don't qualify for, as- for asylum and you don't come here the right way, then that's exactly what should happen um, at the end of the day. But you have people in this administration that don't believe that, that want- that don't believe in the laws that have been passed by previous, as- previous congresses and instead want to make it up as they go.
2: Let me ask you this last question, because uh, several of my friends, uh, many of them Hispanic, are saying, well, what's the point of being a legal resident, a legal citizen, if illegal aliens get the same benefits and uh, uh, protections and even rights?
5: Well, I think it's a great question, Uh, and it shouldn't be that way. You should have individuals that come here the right way, the legal way, uh, that gain their citizenship. They should have more rights than folks that that don't do that at the end of the day. That's why, you know, in the Trump administration, we took a number of steps to try to curtail the types of benefits that illegal migrants would receive uh, if they chose to break the law. Um, And we see a lot of that being rolled back, right? So, you know, someone crosses the border today, and they go into immigration proceedings. After three or four months, they get uh, a work permit. They can start to work and earn money, and then they'll send that back home, which is exactly what they want to do at the end of the day. We have to remember the vast majority of these folks are economic migrants. They want a a, a job. They want a better life, and I understand that. But you have to do that the right way. Um, and they they abuse our asylum system, and shame on us for allowing that to occur. And we tr- we attempted to fix that in the Trump administration, and a lot of that's been rolled back.
2: Folks, we've been speaking with uh, with with Mr. Tad Wolf, the former Secretary for Department of Homeland Security under under Mr. Trump.
5: Thank you very very much. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you.
2: Howdy, howdy, howdy! Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez at Pointe de talking to you on KLUP 9:30 AM radio. The answer, and we've got our good friend, Mr. Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies in, uh, in Austin. And I wanted to reach out to him because he has been following this whole crisis in Del Rio very, very closely. And uh, I wanted him to uh, give us an update um, now that the um, it appears, at least that's the appearance that the um, Haitians have been removed. Where have they gone? Are there more coming? What's going on, Todd? What can you tell us? What do you know?
6: Sure. As of Friday, uh, today's Monday, so as of Friday, the uh, camp under the Del Rio International Bridge is liquidated. Uh, This morning, I'm told that they are uh, bringing in bulldozers and cleaning everything up. And they're going to cart it all away, and within a day or so, it'll look like like just like new. Uh, however, that doesn't mean that uh, Haitians and immigrants from a hundred other countries, plus Central Americans and Mexicans, aren't still crossing in huge numbers. Just not as visibly. Uh, they will um, cross. They'll continue to cross, especially in the Rio Grande Valley. They're crossing there anywhere from two to three hundred a day. That's just Haitians uh, down there where uh, nobody's looking. There's no cameras or uh, big camps or anything like that. And even when there are a couple thousand immigrants under the uh, Andalusa Bridge uh, in that area, it no longer attracts any media interest at all. They get a thousand groups of a thousand in a day, easy down there on any given day. So, The short answer is that nothing has changed at all, except that you uh, don't have a visible political problem under a bridge.
2: So so the, so it's more like a shell game that's being played at this point where, uh, I mean, Mayorkas was asked uh, over the weekend was asked straight up, you know, what's happened? How many were there? Where have they gone? And uh, he just, he did. He didn't seem to answer. He, kind of hedged as to where they've gone. They've been released. Uh, it, what the heck has happened to them? I mean, is this more of a ca- case of catch and release where they've been released back into the United uh, or into the United States, which is what they wanted anyway?
6: What appears to be the case, they have released some numbers. There are some unaccounted for, uh, but I can account for those for you. Uh, the majority of them, have been waived into the country they're just like always like anywhere along the border if you're in a family unit you're going to be uh, waived into the country with a notice to appear or on a personal recognizance bond to go anywhere in the country that you want to go settle and then you can apply for asylum and when you don't get asylum uh, which is always the case uh, then you just simply become illegally present and working, and that's the goal. That's always been the goal to just simply live illegally in the country. Um, there, the, another uh, group, a smaller group, but a significant group, even though it's small. Uh, this time around is, is are the ones that were repatriated back to Haiti. There appears to be about 2,000 of those. Uh, you know, out of the 15,000 yeah uh, that's a, that's still a, no but that's still significant because because even a small percentage chance that you could be deported all the way back to Haiti sent thousands of others fleeing into Mexico back into Mexico and so that's why you have this other category of about 5000 that are unaccounted for uh, I'm going to just go ahead and uh, assert that those 5000 are the ones that I saw, met, and interviewed on the Mexican side uh, last week after they started the repatriation flights. There were thousands that were coming across and leaving the camp just out of the the fear that there was a 20% chance that they could get sent back to Haiti. And they said, I interviewed a lot of them, and they told me that they were going to stay in Mexico uh, get papers, they'd stay as long as the repatriation flights were going on, but that as soon as the repatriation flights ended they would simply cross into the United States, now, and, and that's their main thing, is the, uh, their fear is the repatriation flights which tells us that if the administration, this one or any future ones ever were to just maintain that credible threat of repatriation to your home country, wherever it may be or to some other third country, wherever that may be, uh, you would have no illegal immigration. Really, it would be it would be the uh, crisis would end in twenty four hours.
2: Wow. I mean, uh, it really has. I mean, I've I personally have been saying that you know unless you punish it uh, and punishing it by by uh, deportation, uh, you know, there's no fear.
6: Exactly. That's why they're coming in the first place. That camp happened because there was no deportation happening in the United States anywhere, let alone by air all the way back to Haiti. (laughs) So um, just the reintroduction for a brief period, we should pay attention to as a, a reminder, as an experiment, however long it lasted, of how deeply, deeply effective that is as a deterrent for mass illegal immigration over the southern border. I'm writing a piece today, uh, talking about about the, the power of that that was shown, and um, as a as an indicator of just how powerful it is, far beyond the fact that immigrants fled by the thousands back into Mexico, is how the American progressive left is responding to it, which is in screaming nonstop outrage that he would do it, which tells you. They know how effective it is,
2: too. Yeah, that's very, very true. Now, let me ask you, um, uh, we have seen on uh, Univision and a, and a couple of others in Tapachula, down at the very southern end of Mexico with Guatemala, that uh, more uh, Haitians and, uh, and other uh, folks from other countries are starting to gather and uh, trying to move north again. Um, do you think that there will be another uh, crisis similar to this one, or do you think that the administration has learned something, or do you think that the uh, that the uh, media will just ignore it?
6: I think that the, the the Haitians and everybody else will come across just like they have ever since uh, inauguration of the of Joe Biden, but um, out of Media site and out of media interest, you you can go down there and see it. You can you can watch them come across. They, there's no fear. There's no hiding. There's no slippery uh, you know cat mouse evasion or anything like that. Uh, you can go down to Roma, Texas today, or Rio Grande City today, and watch Haitians just pour over by the hundreds a day right now. But. They're not forming up in camps. We're moving them into the interior of the country fast enough that they're not forming camps. That evidently is perfectly fine. (laughs) Uh, That evidently is not a news story. But when they pool up, like they did in this case, it becomes a news story. And it's only about those 15,000, not about the 50,000 a week that are still coming in every week for months and months and
2: months. That's outrageous. It really, really is. So the bottom line to all of this is that uh, we have learned that um, the border is open, that people are coming, and uh, if there was some kind of punishment, they would uh, stop. (laughs) But there isn't.
6: Repatriation flights, man. I mean, that is like, you know, I was with a Mexican, uh, I was on the Mexican side with the immigrants who fled in the bus stations buying tickets back to the way they came to southern mexico and guatemala uh i'm here to tell you firsthand just how effective that was i saw their bus tickets i watched them purchase the bus tickets and i watched them board the buses south
5: amazing Uh, so
6: yeah i mean it is a real thing but i think that probably by today there or by by the time this camp is over the Biden administration will cave to its progressive left and end that really powerful uh, deterrent policy. And at that point they'll all just be pouring over again. Even the Haitians will be coming back.
2: They'll just the be out of plan. they'll just be out of media sight. <laughs> That's
6: right. That's right. Everything's back to the way it was. Massive white hot border crisis.
2: Yeah, but it's not unless unless MSNBC and CNN say it is. Well. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, my man. Thank you very, very much for joining us this morning. Um, tell the folks where they can follow you.
6: T. Benzman at Getter. Uh, Bensman Todd at Twitter. And my book is America's Covert Border War. Available anywhere books are sold, Amazon, etc.,
2: Excellent, buddy. Thank you very, very much. We've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies. Todd, thank you very, very much. We'll chat with you again soon. All right. Thanks for having me, George. Okay, folks, once again, here in Washington, George Rodriguez with KLUP, and we've got Mr. John John Zadrozny, who is Director of Homeland Security and Immigration uh, at the American First Policy Institute. And uh, I want to ask him uh, about um, what the, well, first of all, tell us about the uh, Policy Institute, and then secondly, give us your thoughts on what has been going on, for example, in Del Rio, as well the rest of the uh, policies that the uh, Biden administration has put in for for immigration.
7: Yeah, hey, George, thanks for having me on. It's an honor to be with you. Uh, So I work for the America First Policy Institute. I'm the head of the Center for Homeland Security and Immigration. And basically, I was in the previous administration, the Trump administration, and we're trying to focus on what the current administration is not doing or doing. Uh, In some ways, it's a complete reversal of everything that's important to the American people, from public safety and security to national security, to basically everyday living. And uh, it's really kind of amazing to me how much damage they've done in such a short time, but the one thing I always keep coming back to and I talk about whenever I get a chance is that uh, you've got to remember this is all about amnesty for them. It's not about your safety. It's not about my safety. They don't care if my kid gets hurt or your kid gets hurt or we lose. We spend a lot of money on a problem. It's about importing millions of people to make up for a demographic shortfall that the party's got around the corner and they know it. Uh, and it's a, you know, it's a real shame that that's how they approach things. They're not really making decisions based on your interests and my interests. Um, so we're just trying to highlight that that um, they're making it very easy. <laughs> By causing problems everywhere. And I, I don't think it's hyperbole. Like, I have yet to see someone who's happy with the way they're handling any particular issue, whether it's immigration or not. So, uh, we're just going to keep a focus on and highlight problems and make sure that people are aware of what's going on in their neighborhood, including in Texas, by the way, where um, I mean, I had the privilege of working for Ted Cruz once upon a time. Um, very familiar with the problems the sheriffs and the ranchers have, where basically they find bodies on their property all the time, they get into shootouts all the time. It, it is like a war zone, but it's a war zone that could be prevented if this administration actually wanted to prevent it. We have seen uh, what what appears to be uh, a a rewarding of
2: illegal immigration. And, uh, you know, this rewarding of illegal immigration, all it's going to cause is more.
7: Uh, What are your thoughts? Right. So that's correct. I I think that's that's exactly what's going on. Um, One thing I I always like to point out is amnesty is a byproduct of 50 years of aborting people in the womb. (laughs) You know, it turns out when you spend 50 years aborting 60 million Americans, you're short a lot of voters. So what's your next best option when you can't convince hearts and minds in your own country to vote for you you have to go find new voters and Amnesty for all intents and purposes is basically a giant voter importation project what you said is hundred percent true they don't actually want the numbers to ever go down they don't want this won't stop anything you've know, you got 20 million people now uh, probably more. Well, the minute that first amnesty, the ink dries on an amnesty bill, there are going to be 30 million more people waiting at the border. Um, and it's just, its it'll, it, for people who think it will stop the problem, it really will only fuel the problem. Um, even President Reagan tried this in 1986, and it was a total flop, uh, and he would later said it was one of the biggest mistakes he made in his administration, because that set the fuse for what we're seeing now. Uh,
2: John, do you think that there's any, any light at, this, at the end of this tunnel?
7: Um, well, I, I do. In some ways, the silver lining here is that I'm, there's no there's no hidden agenda. It's all out in the open. They're very explicit about trying to get as many people in as possible. It's unfortunate that some people are going to be hurt, but I always think there are silver linings here. I think when the American people know the contrast between the sides, they'll make smarter choices when they vote. Um, people, in some ways too, despite all the chaos we see, they're getting more involved at local, the local and state level, which is vital. I think people who share our worldview have been a little complacent in terms of state and local. Look around the country. It's school board fights and so on so silver linings and you know the lord has a plan we'll find out what it is someday but i think we just do our little part and see what happens
2: thank you very much we've been speaking with uh john zadrosny Zd- uh director of homeland security and immigration at the america first policy institute thank you very much john thank you george Hi, folks. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you here in Washington. And we've got uh, a fellow San Antonian, uh, Dr. Uh, Jeffrey Atticott from uh, St. Mary's. And he gave a very interesting presentation this afternoon that I would like to ask him about it. Can you tell us what, what...
8: yeah, my presentation really dealt with the issue of national security. Uh, in the past, when people think about national security, they think about, oh, well, we got to protect the borders from other foreign nations attacking us. Uh, that's all changed. With 9-11, we now have to look at individuals. Uh, we use the word terrorism, of course. Terrorism is a tactic. The number one threat is not right-wing extremists using terrorism or left-wing extremists as radical Islamic extremists. Uh, they are very energized right now, uh, and even General Milley in his testimony today said that he fears that Afghanistan will be a new terror state within about six months for al-Qaeda, ISIS, other radical groups. They want to kill us in very large numbers. And so if you are on their team, you would say how will we do that? Oh my goodness, there's an open southern border. They're not going to use airplanes this time. Uh, They're not stupid. Now they're dedicated and they have killed thousands of themselves as suicide bombers. They just blow themselves up. So they want to kill us. And we know that there are many avenues of approach that they can take uh, we know, for example, that Iran has weekly flights that go to Caracas, uh, Venezuela, uh, and ships. And, of course, the Iranians, uh, are, are they, they, they provide safe haven for al-Qaeda. You could very easily uh, get a jihadist into Venezuela and very easily walk across the open southern border, and they will come to probably New York or Washington, D.C. with a weapon of mass destruction.
2: Do you think that uh, that the current administration... Uh, Really, I mean, it it just doesn't seem to be conscientious about this.
8: No, these people, I don't know, you know what world they live in, but it's certainly not the world that most people live in. Uh, they have a uh, skewered view of reality. In fact, they're disoriented to reality. Who in the world would tear down the policies that the Trump administration put in place that gave us the lo- lowest number of illegal crossings in our history, dismantle the whole thing, and think it's going to be wonderful? Uh, it's so sophomoric that you wonder if they're even qualified to run the shoe department at pennies, let alone our national security interests.
2: Now, given the, uh, the, the, what we've heard of the non-vetting, if any vetting, of uh, the Afghans that are coming in, uh, what are your thoughts about that?
8: That's not my main concern. The Afghans that are coming in, a lot of them, of course, were not on the list to come into this country. They just jammed them on the airplanes. They may be adherents to Sharia law, which is incompatible with our value system, our Bill of Rights, but I'm, I'm not concerned that, that we're going to have... You know, a large-scale ter- terror attack by any of these people. My concern is with the Iranians, the Afghans. The UN, com- the, UN the United Nations, issued a report in June, said between seven and ten thousand jihadists have flocked into Afghanistan in that month. Imagine how many more have flocked in since they've won this military victory over us. They're energized. They're going to reconstitute, and within six months they'll probably be at the planning stage to attack us. And anybody can see that the weak spot in our defense is the southern border. They know that.
2: I got it. Dr. Uh, Atticott, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Uh, what, uh, how, Where can folks continue reading about it? And uh, tell us about uh, the pamphlet that you
8: Sure. I'm the director of the Warrior Defense Project of course at St. Mary's Law School. And we uh, provide free legal services to soldiers that are wrongfully accused or grossly punished in the performance of their duties. So we do that all the time. And of course, my background, I'm You know, I'm a national security expert, I suppose. I've been doing this in the real world, the military, for 20 years, and now I've been talking about it for 20 years as a law professor. So that's, you know, that's... Well,
2: well, we thank you for your service. Great country. Thanks, George. Howdy, folks. Once again, George Rodriguez here in uh, Washington, D.C. And uh, we've got uh, an angel mom with us, uh, Miss Deborah Elkins. And uh, I wanted her to explain to us, first of all what an angel mom or an angel family is, and then uh, to tell us about how that happened. Uh, Deborah, thank you very much for being with us this t- today. Tell us about what is an angel family or an angel mom?
9: An angel family or an angel mom, there are thousands of us at this point in the United States. An angel mom is someone whose son or daughter has been murdered by an illegal immigrant. The families we have angel families. That is when some someone in their family has lost a loved one. Any loved one, it can be a, a child, a parent, a brother, a sister, to an illegal immigrant. So it all cycles around the illegal immigrant that is killing our American citizens.
2: Now, uh, how is it? Uh, tell us about the tragedy in your life.
9: On uh, on November first. It'll be three years. This November 1st, 2018, my son was setting in a house on Halloween, and an an illegal immigrant had made friends with a drug dealer in town. It so happened this drug dealer was my son's ex-drug dealer. My son was in the process of getting clean, and she told the illegal immigrant that my son was her boo and had hurt her. And the illegal immigrant was jealous of my son, told some people that he hated my son for this. And he decided that she, she talked to him into killing my son. She essentially hired him. She had a tattoo put on her neck that said, by the individual that killed my son. He was a tattoo artist. And said, kill or be killed. The, uh, so he had that, she had that put on her neck that night. the next day. They went over, and my son was sitting on a sofa, defenseless. They walked in the front door, and, and the, the illegal immigrant shot him three times. And they left. But then they came back. And an individual was standing in front of the door. His name was Stephen Marler. He was standing in front of the door trying to keep them out of the house. They shot him through the door, through the head one time, and he dropped dead. And they pushed their way in, and this illegal immigrant proceeded to, talk, to shoot my son. He shot my son 26 times, and he w- had to reload. It wasn't like he went in with an automatic weapon and just fired off. He had to stop and reload. There was no soul in that man. After he shot my son, he went out in the backyard and shot someone else and injured him very bad. And then he left before the cops got there. This all happened in a three-minute period. And they took off. And the individual that had hired him, she drove him to her house and they stayed there. The next day, he shot her six times through the face because she mourned my son too much. And after that, he was getting ready to leave town and go to Oklahoma, but our local sheriffs and, and police were able to catch him. They pulled him in on a drug charge, knowing they couldn't hold him for the murder yet, and they have re- they've nailed it down, a 200-page police report, and they have nailed it down to him, and we are currently awaiting trial. Our trial starts March 28th.
2: Now, tell us about um, other families. How many families are affected in the United States, like yours has, by an illegal alien criminal?
9: The last number I heard was 6,000, but I'm sure it's much larger than that. That's been a year or two. So there are literally thousands. There are some in every state. Every time I go anywhere, I meet someone else that's affected. It's it's a, it's a disease. It's like a skin-eating disease that is eating across the country.
2: What are your thoughts about a situation like with Kate Steinley in San Francisco where everybody saw the guy kill her, and then uh, the community, the government, the local government, uh, supports the guy because he's an illegal alien.
9: Well, and this is a pet peeve of mine. I've been involved in in immigration-type issues all my life. I was born on the Texas border, lived in California, have dealt with illegal immigrants. I know what sanctuary cities were meant for when they first started them. They are not that now. Our killer was released from Middlesex County, New Jersey. He was being held on three felonies. He was released by Middlesex County and allowed to walk free because he wasn't convicted had he been convicted of a crime they could have held him they let him go 24 hours before ice's detainer expired because they were a sanctuary city so they let him walk and in my world and in my heart and in my mind the judge that signed that paper in that county is responsible for my son's death
2: it is really a a tragedy that we are seeing Not only with the defund the police movement, but also with the whole idea of uh, an open border and decriminalizing these these crimes just because they're committed by migrants or immigrants or whatever they want to call them. What are your thoughts?
9: Well, my thoughts are, you know, this young individual, um, he was raised in the United States. His parents legalized the right way. He should have been gone when he turned 18 and didn't register he already had a record he should have been gone and he would have been gone if we might have had a different president at that time but the open borders are just going to allow these people to flood in people have no idea the drugs that are coming across and i have talked to i have talked to mules That have carried those drugs across. I have talked to individuals that were involved in the border itself, and you have no. People just don't know. I didn't know as much as I know now. In two years, I've learned so much, and I see the devastation. And people, you don't know who's living next door to you anymore.
2: We've been speaking with Deborah Elkins, uh, an angel mom, and uh, thank you very, very much. And you know, we I hope you continue the fight.
9: Thank you so much. I am my son's only voice.
2: Once again, George Rodriguez, KLUP 930 AM Radio, San Antonio.